I'm starting a new series of lessons uh, entitled Taking Time to Talk with the Lord, and that's what we're going to be doing in our services. I'm going to be teaching on prayer, but then we're going to also have times of prayer. So it's going to be by precept and example that we go through these series of lessons. Matthew chapter 6, and I want to talk about how Jesus changed everything, how Jesus changes everything. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 5, Jesus speaking, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptations, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Uh, The companion scripture for Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. And I just want to take a moment and uh, read through that portion of Scripture. And then I want to expound for a few minutes on uh, how Jesus changed the way that people pray and has really, you know, made a path and made a way for all men to be able to pray with confidence and assurance. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, I'm going to read the first four verses. It says, And it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, When he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who is indebted or who has sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, upon this request of teaching them how to pray, Jesus took time to instruct his disciples. And we get in on that teaching. Uh, Obviously, there was a a notable difference on what they had experienced growing up uh, and what they were experiencing in their time with Jesus. So um, many of of the things that that we, you know, just sort of adopt and accept and and don't really give much thought to... We have to consider that at this time, the model of prayer was certain hours of prayer. It was always, you know, within the temple. Uh, There was a certain format or a way that people prayed. And uh, and as a result of that, people got accustomed to that and people got familiar with that. And we could say that that's that's where their sweet spot was. And now Jesus is praying in a manner or in a way that, is contrary to what they've experienced. And, and yet they can't deny that, that what, what 
his prayers are producing and maybe what they have been experiencing, you know, growing up have been producing were, were really quite a contrast. And as a matter of fact, uh, I'll just, uh, Jesus one time when his disciples were inquiring why they couldn't minister as effectively as, as he had commissioned or delegated for them to minister to, his answer was, was really short and sweet. He says, I pray and you don't. Now, that, that would be, you know, you're talking to people that have been praying, a culture who had been praying for thousands of years, but he said, you've been praying, but you've slipped over into having more confidence in, and more faith in your prayers than having confidence and faith in God. And, and our prayers can be misplaced. We can, we can actually believe the longer we pray, the more effective our prayers are going to be. The louder we pray, the more effective our prayers are going to be. Uh, you know, the more zeal or fervor uh, emotionally that we give. But it's the heartfelt, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Notice the first statement, heartfelt. Prayer was never meant to be something that was done that was out of duty or redundancy, but always out of a relational and a redemptive uh, uh, place in our heart towards God, uh, a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. So let's go back now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, and let's look at a few of the, of the things that Jesus said were very important. And remember, he's answering his disciples' question, and he's also encouraging them, when you pray, say. Everybody say, say. Say. In other words, it's okay to, to pray out loud. There's a time and a place where we bow our head and, and silence and, and God receives those prayers, and Scripture talks about that. As I said, this series, we're going to encompass many different kinds of prayers and many different ways that the New Testament has invited us to pray. And all prayer is meant to produce results. We're not just praying to pray. Everybody say, I'm not just praying to pray. Yeah, and we're not just watching the clock. We're not, you know, we're not just, you know, there, you know it strikes a certain time, and, and wow, you know, this is where after a certain time limit, God hears us. And, and up until that time, we're just warming up. You know, we're just, we're getting uh, almost, almost, you know, we have those, those attitudes sometimes. And, uh, but let's go back and let's see what Jesus had to say. Because, you know, as Christians, I think we all agree that we should pray. Can I get a hearty amen? I think it's called, it's, it's something we're all called to do. I, I teach this often when I go to the nursing homes or to, to when I, I minister to elderly saints, this is a ministry that never ends. You know, that when they're there, as long as they have a mouth and they have a heart for God, then they can move mountains. Let me say that again. When they have a heart for God and they have a mouth, they can move mountains. And, and, and the saints that are in these, these, these nursing homes or in these care facilities need to know that their prayers avail much and their faith is moving mountains on behalf of their loved ones. And this is a ministry that Jesus has entrusted to each and every one of his people. Every one of us. We are to be a people of prayer. But our busy lifestyles often hinder us uh, from entering into to prayer the way that we know we should. And sometimes it's a lack of confidence. I, I think that's why the disciples ask is they lacked the confidence. And sometimes when you lack confidence you're not going to do it in faith. You, you just may do it and sit down quietly. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of a story of, of a man that, 
that was in a, a small group, a Bible study, and and there's there's two things that bring on fear and trepidation when you're in a small group. Someone asking you to pray and someone asking you to comment. Can I get an amen? And and when you're first in those settings, you're 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 hoping that whoever's facilitating is just really well prepared and you can just take notes and smile and nod your head and not make too much eye contact because they might call on you to do one of the two things that you didn't want to do, but you signed up because, listen, there's a want to in you. You may not know how to, but there's a want to in you. There's a want to to know the Bible as a Christian. There's a, there's a want to to know how to pray, but you may not know how to. I think that's where the disciples were. They had this great big want to. They just didn't know how to. Aren't you glad that, that they, they asked the question that each and every one of us who have a want to but don't know how to did? And so Jesus was gracious and he says, All right, I, I'm going to give you some instruction. So let me, let me share some things with you, uh, that, that are important as we get into the series. Number one, John Wesley, who is, has been noted as maybe the, the founding father of the Methodist Church, made this great statement. It seems that God is limited by our prayer life. He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. And someone may, uh, you know, scratch their head and they say, well, God is God. He can do anything. But God has bound himself to his word and God is a covenant keeping God. And so because of that, he's given us a new testament, a new covenant, and he works in agreement with those who are in alignment with the new covenant ways. So God just doesn't randomly do things to do things. God does things always with a purpose and always in agreement with his word. So when this statement was made, it was really a revelation to the body of Christ at that time in that season that John Wesley called the people of God to pray. And through that, there was a great revival known as the First Awakening. And through that, thousands of people came to faith in Christ. Thousands were baptized. Thousands were filled with the Holy Spirit. Many lives were transformed for eternity and for God's glory. So... But we're always to ask, always to ask when we pray in faith. We're always to pray in faith or to be believing. So Matthew 6, 5 through 15 is such a rich portion of instruction that Jesus gave us on prayer. And he's going to help us in this instruction to know uh, what prayer should and should not look like. I, I, I think that that's tremendous. Because Jesus is interested in helping us to pray, but he's also interested in us receiving the fruit of our prayers. Isn't it fulfilling when you, when you pray and you see the answers to your prayer? That, that really lifts your spirit and, and it, and it causes you to what? Pray more, to press in more, and to pursue the things of God more wholeheartedly. So here's some things that Jesus said well, you don't want to do when you pray, okay? Number one, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be hypocritical in your prayer. Don't, don't do it to be seen by men. Now, we understand there's times when we pray openly. Uh, he's not, that's not what Jesus is talking about in this. That he said their intent or their motive was to be seen by men. It, they weren't praying Unto the Lord, they were praying to be seen by men. He said, that is just a recipe for catastrophe. You're not going to receive 
anything from the Lord because it's that's not heartfelt, that's not fervent, that's not towards the Lord. So we we don't want to do things just to be seen by men like the hypocrites. Number two, don't pray as the heathens. And that, that would be the unbelievers. So there's a lot of different world religions, and each and every one of them pray. But not all of their prayers are heard from God. In First Kings chapter 17, there's that great story about the prophets of Baal and about Elisha. And Elisha prayed unto the one true and living God, and his prayers were answered. And the prophets of Baal, vain repetition. If you want to know what vain repetition is, go and read that portion of Scripture. I mean, they scrap, they 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 screamed, they shouted, they cut themselves, they, you know, and it was just a, it was quite a scene. And but it didn't produce results. There was no fruit in it because they weren't praying to the one true and living God. So that was heathens. Heathens pray, but it's it's repetition. It's 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 not in faith. Uh, so there's no reward from God in that. And don't pray. Jesus warned us, don't pray with unresolved forgiveness issues not resolved in your heart. And he was saying, you've you got to resolve these issues because in order for our faith to work, we have to be walking in love. And he's saying, you know, if, if there's, there's forgiveness issues, get them settled. And Jesus wants us to settle them and gives us the steps to settle those issues. And when we do it his way, those issues are settled and the burden is lifted and freedom comes. So there's no reason to be bound or restricted and uh, and locked up because of unforgiveness when freedom is available and freedom is found in forgiveness, receiving and giving. And all of us know the benefit of it because we have all been forgiven much and we've all had to forgive much. And that's just part of what comes along with life, giving allowances, giving people opportunities to grow. That's all part of the maturing and the nurturing process of the Spirit of God. So here's things, though, we should do when we pray. Jesus said, when you do pray, find a sacred or a secret or a safe place. Would you say that with me? A secret place, a safe place, and we could say a sacred place. Uh, you got to have a place. Now, he's not talking about public prayer here. He's talking about you and your Father. The understood matter is when you pray, Ever say you. He's not talking about the church corporately, even though we're going to get into that. He's saying when you pray, you have a prayer time. You have a place that you go and pray. You have a secret place, a safe place where you can block out all distractions and get rid of anything that would keep you from focusing on the thing that you need to be focusing on. So number two is... Pray to your father, pray to your father, I'll say it one more time, pray to your father. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentioned his father 18 times. In the New Testament alone, Jesus mentioned his father in the Gospels over 100 times. But in that 100 times, over 25 times, he mentioned our father. So not only is he Jesus' father, but Jesus introduces his father to us and he becomes our father. He is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And he is also our heavenly father because we've accepted his son, Jesus Christ. Whoever accepts the son finds what favor with the father. So not only was he Jesus father, he's our father. This is where Jesus changes everything. Ever say Jesus changes everything. In the Old Testament, they knew God in many different ways. They knew him as Jehovah. They knew him as Yahweh. They knew him as Elohim. But they didn't know him as father. Can you imagine being a young Jewish or Hebrew boy and your whole life you had known the God of the mountain? When I talk about the God of the mountain among Jewish people, they know you're talking about the God of Moses. And he appeared on a mountain and there was fire and smoke and the people were terrified, terrified to talk to God because he was the God of the mountain. And they felt like they had no right. They were unworthy. And now Jesus brings it down to this relational word, Father. Father. And for the Jewish people, the Father was a very endearing title. It's where they get the word Abba. It's in the English language, Papa. Jesus saying, when you pray to your Abba, when you pray to Papa God, this is how I want you to pray. He took it from cold, hard, indifferent, distant, to personal, relational, and redemptive. This is the difference between Old Testament and New Testament. This is why the New Testament is so much better. Ever say amen. Amen. So I'm going to give you a big finish and then we're going to pray and we can just pick up where I leave off. Is that fair? All right. So he said the third thing is, is pray from a heart that knows the joy of being forgiven. Isn't that one of the great joys of our life is knowing that we have been forgiven? Isn't it great that forgiveness is given and received? Ever say given and received? Yes. And when that happens, joy or life returns to us and returns to others. As I was as I was praying earlier this week, and I have been going through some really uh, older notes. Uh, I have thousands and thousands of pages of, of notes that I've taken. And, and now I was trying to think the other 37th year of ministry coming up. And I, I was... I wanted to just go back and pull out some of the archives. And I was I was reading through them. They were handwritten. And I have a sort of a desire to type them so that they're preserved a little bit better. And one of the statements that I ran across, and I ran across it and I and I just thought to myself, you know, help me always to remember this, help me always to, you know, to to keep this in the forefront of my mind. And it has to do with the subject matter of of relationships, not only with God and us, but with us, with other people, is this, is that as Christians, we cannot treat our relationships like disposable cups, but like fine china. And when I read that, it just, just really, you know, how you, you, you read a note that you wrote maybe a year or two and you're reminded of something that maybe you'd let slip or you'd let sort of, you know, get away from your, your comprehension. Can I get an amen? And that's the, sometimes the significance of those notes. Uh, I have several Bibles that I have in, in my office, both here at the church and then in my office at, at my home. And, uh, 
and I get a new Bible about every 10 years because I mark up my Bible. I have a reading Bible up here that I use in the pulpit so that I somewhat stay on course. But I mark, I write, I highlight, I circle words. And I'll be doing that till the day that Jesus comes because that's how much depth is in the Word of God. And it comes to a point where I can't almost read the text anymore because I've written in it so much that I gotta have to, I have to go get another one. And this is my prayer when I do it. God, would you speak to me something new from your word? Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.